the unexpected favors heaped upon her, Mademoiselle de Tremblay has been installed in the lofty apartments of Montpellier House. Here in an enormous room, colonnaded, high ceilings, she waits this morning to receive Aramis, the Duke of Almada. In the great empty room, Aurora is a small and pathetic figure. Her face is still pale and her eyes bright from weeping, for she has had no word of Joelle since she left her at the Grey House more than a week ago. Even her friend, Francoise Daubigny, cannot give her news of him. And the royal favors mean little to her, while Joelle is absent from her side. She watched her eyes furtively as the old duke comes briskly in. Mademoiselle, it is good to see you again. And you, sir. Pray be seated. Come, come, child. Why this sorrow on your sweet face? Why are your cheeks so pale? Why this emotion? Oh, child... I have been in holy orders and was once to hear confessions much more painful than any you have to tell. Is there any need to tremble at undergoing so universal a fate as falling into love? Indeed. Have you stepped on the Lord? I had no need for wizardry to do so. I had but to look at your face and see there the reflection from your candid mind. Am I so transparent? You have not learned court ways, mademoiselle, to deceive and delude. You are right. I am in love. What else could you expect, my child, in a court full of dazzling cavaliers with burning eye and winking feet? The man I love, my lord, is not a noble of the court. Oh, uh, a friend of your childhood, perhaps. Uh, a companion of your youth you left behind in the province of Anjou? No, my lord. This is this, I know. It cannot be any low-born fellow. A girl of your birth and character does not look below her for a minute. My lord, Monsieur Joel is a gentleman. Joel? I've heard the name before. Who could be sure I recall it? The young gentleman of the non-coach. <laughs> now I am quite at my ease. Oh, you're giving me such a fright? Oh, this is not serious at all. I love him. No nonsense. A girlish child, but stopping at the first chapter. I love him. I, uh, I am not ignorant that he defended you against some footpad or other, and heaven forbid that I should gainsay your feelings some gratitude towards him. But lasting gratitude would degenerate into folly. I love him. And then, child, you will have to muster courage to tear this foolish passion from your heart. Everything at the same time commands you to do so. What do you mean, my lord? Listen to me, my child, that all may be clear to you. I am listening, my lord. What was trepidation? Isolated as you have been in the country, some rumors must have reached you of the part played at court by Louise de la Belliere, the first love of our sovereign. Likewise, you cannot be ignorant of the position held here at present by the Marchioness de Montespan, whose patronage you accept. It is quite true I have heard the story of de la Valliere and the services of the Marchioness. I accepted not without repugnance and self-resistance, as heaven is my witness. But their conduct is no care of mine. As a Christian, I pity them. Yet you must admit that their fate is to be ended. To reign over the king. Dispose with both hands his boons and favors to assure the peace of Europe or a pleasure, untame the dogs of war upon the nation. 
Prince by Grand Idea, Great Deed? This, my lord, is a function of a queen. If the queen were able to accomplish it, in the first place, she must have her husband's love. Our king never felt more than esteem for Maria Teresa. A policy united them, temperament separate. I feel no less compassion for the queen than for her rivals. Yet were the choice given me, I should prefer her loneliness to their victory. I wonder. Mademoiselle, the queen has had, the king, I should say, has had a fresh feeling spring up in his heart. He no longer loves Madame de Montesquieu. He loves another. A beautiful creature who need never dread the fate of other favorites if she will listen to the advice of a true friend in exchange for a devotion about proof. My lord, pray be indulgent. I am but a poor country girl, and really, I, I do not understand. I wonder if... Do you tell me that you have not understood of whom I speak? Mademoiselle, it is you the king loves. a superior mind as I have a practical one. Such a combination is unbeatable. Together we shall govern France. So far the people have cursed the king's favorite. Let them learn to bless you. Where are you going, Mantel? To quit this house, my lord. What did you expect? I will leave the town and return to my native village, where the peasants have not yet learned to cease to respect me. Surely you are not in your senses after what I have just told you. It is precisely what you have told me. They command me to remain no longer in a place where I have been insulted. Insulted? Oh, I do not care to hurt your feelings, my lord. For I am not one who repeats insult in the same coin. Besides, I do not believe you meant to insult me. For the world in which you dwell, in which I entered yesterday, regards as glory what I call shame. It is incredible. I was alone and without money. And you offered me the means to become rich and mighty. I must beg your pardon for not having been able to accomplish the task of which you thought me worthy. I am a Puritan, my lord. With odd ideas of honor. Nancy. Oh, my child, my dear child. How happy you have made me. My lord. To think that I doubted you. Yes, I confess it, I doubted you. For one moment I feared you would succumb to the test. Test? Was that a test? Could you not see through it? True, true, I tried you too much. I wish to know all and what I have by met, but the purest honor. A test? See, what you have said just now is... Mere fable, of which I beg you think no more. Oh, but you've caused me much pain, my lord. Why? Why did you put yourself to so much trouble? You cannot guess. I assure you the righteous aim I had justified my ruse. It was necessary for the Queen's future peace, poor lady. He should not again harbor a viper at her side. It was for the Queen's sake, then. Many innocent-seeming creatures have sought to mount into the royal favor by first obtaining a hold in the Queen's service. Thus remembering, I tried to tempt you, and the experiment has fully succeeded. You have refused a throne for the man you love. My lord, you are speaking of Joel. Of whom else? Do you even know where he is? Uh, 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 do I know? Uh, uh, what a question to ask an ambassador. You have seen him there. Uh, of course. Uh, he will be forced to come. Uh, unless you wish to have the wedding celebrated somewhere else. Where 
Linda. That followed. Since I told you, I had made up my mind to make you both happy. Oh, has Monsieur Joël then found what he was seeking? Found what he said. Yes, uh, yes, of course he has found it. Still not without difficulty, and the task took time. Oh, but you waited him, I will engage. Oh, how inquisitive you are, child. And nothing can be hidden from you. Yes, yes, I aided him to the best of my ability. How can I thank you if, with heaven's help, Joel has found a name? So, it was a name then. Uh, my child, I leave your betrothed the pleasure of telling you what has happened since your party. He will be beside you in a few days, for it is settled you must stay at court. You must, my child. The queen has much need of you. You laugh. You may be able to effect a reconciliation between the couple, such as all desire. I shall remain, my lord. And ere long, you shall rest on a husband's arm. I will do my utmost to obtain the consent of their majesties to the marriage. But uh, now the hour is striking for you to go on duty, and I myself have an appointment with the king on his leaving the council room. Uh, let us part, my dear Aurora. You have all my gratitude, my lord. You will shortly see me again with him. And meanwhile, be so kind as not to forget me in your prayers. Oh, rest assured of that, my good lord. In my heart, you have a place second only to Joël. Wily Duke of Almada, despite his glib promises to Adore, in reality has not the faintest idea where to find her Joel. If he had known where the Breton was, and what at that moment he was doing, it is very doubtful if the Duke would have been so confident. For in his cell in the Bastille, Joel is talking to his jailer. I am glad you have come. I... I had a question to ask of it. Well, I'll answer if I can. I have been talking with a fellow prisoner, um, an old man, white-haired and querulous. Oh, the old fellow who thinks Cardinal Richelieu still lives. That is the one. Hmm. What is his name? As far as I'm concerned, he's number 68, that's all. And for what crime was he confined within these walls so long ago? How should I know? Number 68 was here when I came. I doubt that he's forgotten his crime himself, if he ever knew it. To have lived here so long, unknowing of his crime, unheard by any power, without even a name. Tell me, comrade, have I been given a number to... Not yet. You're an exception. It has not been seen fit to give you one. But it does not look as though you'll be here very long. How so? It was that I came to see you for. They've had some trouble with you, young man. For it seems you have no name, and though you claim to be of noble birth, you can produce no proof of it. I have already explained that position to Monsieur de Larigny. Mm, but not to his satisfaction. Nobody knew who you were, nor where you came from. Mm, you put the police in much to do because of your namelessness. <laughs> It has caused me some trouble, too. But not much longer, Master. For it has now been decided upon. All has been settled to the satisfaction of Master Chaminard, the chief recorder of the constabulary. And your fate is now certain. They have decided, then? Whatever it will be, it, 
It will be a relief after this uncertainty. What will they do to me? Monsieur, I came to inform you. You will not be beheaded after all. You will be hanged. 